always speak into a listening. Everybody has a different listening. Your listening is unique. So is mine. So is everybody's listening to this. You have to show up believing that you actually have something to say. I think that's number one. Welcome to Think Deeply, Speak Simply. Brought to you by Presentium. A show about the art and science of communicating ideas and how everyday leaders unlock their careers with great communication. And now, here's your host, Jay Rook. Think deeply, speak simply, fans. When you're listening, what engages you? What captivates you when you are truly listening? In this episode, we answer the question of how to get our audiences to really listen when we are presenting. Whether you're giving a TED Talk or speaking with a coworker one-on-one, there are techniques you can utilize to get your audiences to listen better. Surprisingly, it often comes down to doing less talking. Joining us in this episode to speak about the art of listening are our guests Julian Treasure and Corinne Mason. Julian's approach to listening is through the unique scientific effects of sound. He is an author, marketer, and multi-TED speaker who shares the effect that sound has on human beings and how we can use sound in our branding and marketing. Corinne is a partner at Summit Leadership, where she's an executive coach and an advocate for women's leadership. She shares best practices on how to ideally engage an audience through confidence and authenticity, and how to use these skills to conquer imposter syndrome to more deeply connect with our audiences. With that, let's hear from our guest. Let's welcome Julian Treasure to the show. Julian, welcome. Thank you. Good to be here. We're very happy to have you today. Julian, you're an author. You've performed five TED Talks on sound and communication, which have been viewed over 100 million times, and you've been featured in Time Magazine, The Economist, and The Times. Tell us why sound is so important and why you're so passionate about it. Well, although most people don't think about it that much, sound affects us in some very powerful ways. Actually, I've identified four, which I did way back at the beginning of this century, and I've not had cause to add any. So let me tell you the four ways that sound affects you, dear listener, and me and every other human being on the planet. First, physiologically. Sound changes your heart rate, your breathing, your hormone secretions, even your brain waves. So a sudden sound like ha will cause you to jump a little bit. That's very primal. Sound is your primary warning sense, mainly because you can hear what's behind you. I'm not very good at seeing that. I don't know about you. So sound changes your body all the time. Then sound changes your feelings. Just think of music. It's the most obvious example of that. But uh, at my company, the sound agency, we use nature sound, biophilia, quite a lot. Like birdsong makes most people feel secure and also alert because we've learned over hundreds of thousands of years that when the birds are happily singing, we're normally safe. And also when the birds are singing, it's time to be awake and alert. Third way sound affects you is cognitively. So we all know the feeling of trying to work with somebody talking behind us. You have no ear lids. You can't shut it out. You're programmed to decode language. And of course, if that's going on, it's taking up bandwidth. We have a very restricted audio bandwidth, actually, around 1.6 human conversations. Nobody can understand two people talking at the same time. So it's very damaging. And noisy open plan offices, for example, can reduce productivity by as much as two thirds for knowledge workers. And the final way sound affects us is behaviorally. We tend to move away from unpleasant sound if we can. And there's lots of studies to show how dramatically sound affects what we do, what we choose to do, where we go, and how we behave in those spaces. 
So sound is very, very powerful. Fascinating answer. Thank you. You're also the uh, founder and chairman, as you mentioned, of the Sound Agency, which is an audio branding consultancy that asks the question, how does your brand sound? Uh, you've worked with clients such as Harrods, Nokia, and BP, using sound to increase sales, customer satisfaction, and brand value. To be honest, I don't think I've ever heard of scoring sound as a category in a branding audit before. How do you score for sound and what does the good and the bad look like? Well, to me, any great brand is about consistency. Consistency from your promise to your experience and consistency in the way your brand appears in space, in different places, in time, of course, and across the senses. And unfortunately, there's been quite a, a number of decades, really, since the beginning of the last century, at least, where marketing advertising has focused very largely on the eyes. Most of the time and money and resources have gone into visual communication. And yet sound has, a, as I said, a profound effect, not only on promise. For example, there was a survey by Ipsos not so long ago, which showed that advertising with a recognizable sonic brand with a, a branded element that's iconic and recognizable could be, you know, the McDonald's little jingle or something like that sure. is eight times as effective in terms of recall as advertising that doesn't have that in it. And this was way more effective than visual icons or voices, or they tested all sorts of different branded iconography and sound was the most powerful one. So sound is very powerful. We all know about, for example, the effect of music and voice in advertising. It's hugely powerful. There's lots and lots of research about that. Mm -hmm. Thank you. Talk to us about how to form an emotional connection with your audience through sound. Well, really, the secret of that, I think, is listen. And that's something which not a lot of people do, and certainly not a lot of organizations do. There was a survey done some years ago called the Organizational Listening Project, and they found that organizational listening was, frankly, abject. The vast majority of the resources in organizations, if you talk about corporate communication, you think outbound, outbound, outbound. That's where it all goes. It's on outbound communication, very little of it on listening, on inbound communication. And that's true also if you're talking about public speaking. Listen first to the audience. Ask yourself, who are they? What are they interested in? What are, you know, it's, you know, marketing 101, isn't it? To know your audience and segment it correctly and understand its needs and its wants and, and so forth. And, you know, the things it doesn't like. So, Engaging with an audience, forming an emotional connection, I think very much is about listening to them and understanding them. And then I have a phrase uh, which I use when I'm teaching people about public speaking. You always speak into a listening. Everybody has a different listening. Your listening is unique. So is mine. So is everybody's listening to this. We have a unique way of listening. And it's a common and very grave mistake to assume everybody listens like I do. They don't. So it's very important to ask the question, what's the listening I'm speaking into? Or if you're an organization, what's the listening we're communicating into so that you can understand it better and be much more accurate? That's how you hit the bullseye instead of missing the target altogether. Fascinating answer there. And speaking of public speaking, we've all had the experience before where we somehow missed our cue and perhaps lost our audience. When that occurs, what's your best advice on how to win them back? Well, I have an acronym for 
the four foundations of effective speaking, which is hail. And that's uh, to greet or acclaim enthusiastically, of course, is to hail somebody. And it also stands for four important words, honesty, being straight and clear in what you say and truthful, authenticity, being yourself, integrity, doing what you say, and love, by which I mean simply wishing people well and putting their interests first. So if you stand on those four things, I think it's pretty hard to lose people. But if you do lose people, for example, let's say you're on stage and you lose your place or something goes wrong, uh, it all falls over, the scenery falls flat behind you, whatever it might be. I think honesty is where to go with that and authenticity, being yourself and simply saying to people, I'm terribly sorry. I've completely forgotten what I was going to say next. Can you give me a minute? Excellent. Excellent. This is a question that we ask of all of our guests on the show. Do you think great business communication is more of an art or science and why? Can I offer a third option? Please. It's a skill. It's something you can master just like listening is a skill and people often confuse listening with hearing. You know, hearing is a capability. So, you know, I think... Anybody who's in good business communication will be reasonably competent at it, but it is a skill that you can practice and master. Obviously, there's science that you can lean on. It's not just a science and it's not just an art either. I mean, I've, I've seen plenty of really clever, beautiful advertising, for example, that's hopelessly ineffective. I mean, it, it looks gorgeous, but it misses the mark because it doesn't talk to the right people in the right way. So really like listening, I think this is a skill that you can burnish, practice and master. And what advice would you have for aspiring business leaders who want to improve their communication? Well, first of all, start to listen consciously. Understand that listening is work and it's under threat. You know, listening is uh, something that's so valuable to us. It's how we learn we lead, how we innovate, how we inspire, all those things, how we operate democracies after all. I mean, it's impossible to have a democracy without civilized disagreement, which requires listening to people and understanding them. Politicians go off and have talks. I wish they'd go off and have listens instead. So, you know, I think listening is absolutely fundamental. So start listening consciously. Realize this is a thing that you're doing. It's not a natural capability. You have to work at it and you can become a master. And as Ernest Hemingway said, most people never listen. So if you become a really good listener, that's a huge advantage in life, in relationships and in business as well. You can improve your speaking and communication, of course, by practicing. You know, I've, I've stood on stages talking to audiences of like two and a half thousand CEOs. And I say, how many of you speak in public? A foreign forest of hands goes up, all of them. How many of you have had formal coaching or training in public speaking or your voice? Like four or five. It staggers me. So, you know, if you're a business leader and communication is important to you, maybe you're pitching for money, maybe you're pitching for business. We're all in the business of selling. Maybe you're trying to inspire a team. You owe it to yourself to become a master of this instrument we all play, the human voice. And that isn't simply about, again, taking it as a capability. It's another skill. Go get some coaching. Record yourself. Stand in front of a camera talking and you'll pretty soon be going, I never knew I did that. And you can improve yourself that way. Get a coach. You know, all the best players of sport in the world 
have a coach. And there's the reason for that, which is that you can't see your own game and they will always be working on something. They might be at 99% and they're looking for 99.1 or 99.2. And at that level, when you're competing in a tough market, you know, it can be the 0.1 that makes all the difference. So get trained, get a coach, work on it, and take these skills of speaking and listening really seriously. Well said. Julian, I'm sure our listeners are going to want to uh, be able to follow you and consume uh, more of your content. Where is the best spot for them to go to learn more about you? Well, my own website, juliantreasure.com for communication skills. And uh, if anybody pops by there, there's a I think really interesting video where we take my TED talk on speaking, which is the one that's in the top 10 of all time TED talks. And I pull it apart with a top US speaker coach called Neil Gordon. So that's like a 20 minute video where you start it, stop it, say, well, that went well because or that uh, the reason that I did that was and we really analyze it. So if you're into any form of public speaking, that's gold dust and that's free on my website. So juliantreasure.com. And if you're interested in soundscaping for healthy and productive offices, moodsonic.com is the place to go. And one final one, if you're interested in audio branding, sonic logos, branded spaces, anything like that, then it's thesoundagency.com. So those three places, juliantreasure.com, moodsonic.com, thesoundagency.com. Excellent. Julian, on behalf of myself and all of our listeners, I want to say thank you so much for taking the time to prepare and join us today. I really enjoyed this conversation. My pleasure. Thank you so much for having me. You're very welcome. Before we move on to our next guest, let's hear from our amazing sponsor, Presentium. Do you spend way too much time creating presentations at work? Do you hate the hassle of creating polished presentations for work? If so, I've got an opportunity for you to reclaim your time, reduce your stress, and make your ideas shine. Think Deeply, Speak Simply is brought to you by Presentium. Presentium makes overnight presentations for enterprise customers at a fraction of the cost of design firms and agencies. They have made over 1 million slides and are trusted by thousands of enterprise customers. It is super easy to use. Just email Presentium a rough draft of your slides by 5.30 p.m. and you'll receive a beautifully crafted presentation in your inbox by 9.30 the next morning. Put Zen in your presentations, reclaim your time, and let your ideas shine. To learn more, visit Presentium.com. That's P-R-E-Z-E-N-T-I-U-M.com. And now back to the show. And with that, let's welcome Corinne Mason to the show. Corinne, thanks so much for joining us today. Thanks for having me. I really appreciate it. We're stoked you're here. Corinne, you have a rich corporate history of talent management, and you're currently a partner at Summit Leadership and an advocate for women's leadership. Tell us about your executive coaching practice and how you work with clients, please. Yeah, I'd love to do that. First of all, let me just tell you a little bit about Summit, because I think that's an interesting thing. So our company is a company that works with high growth, mid-market, private, and public firms, so companies. And specifically in that space, because leaders in those organizations don't tend to have had the same sort of executive development or leadership development that, say, Fortune 500s might have had. So we go in and help to support those leaders as they try to scale and as complexity increases as their companies grow. So that's a lot of fun. One of the things that I do in that space is what a lot of people might call executive coaching. I actually call it performance and accountability partnering, right? So my job is really to help come in, 
help you figure out where you want to focus and then get very specific with you about how you're going to go after those things. And by the way, not always things that are challenges or opportunities, sometimes things that are strengths that you just need to continue to build. Yes. So I think that's, that's a really important practice that we do. And then I have a specific passion around women as leaders. I think we're finally in a place in my 50s. So it's been a long journey for me. We're finally in this place where women are sitting on boards. They're starting their own companies. They're becoming entrepreneurs. They're getting investment finally, right? Yeah. And so my goal, my dream is to help support those women so that they feel like they belong and they have all the support they need to be successful. I love the vision. Thank you for sharing that. In a world of ever-diminishing attention spans, how do you advise your clients to best capture their listeners' attention? I'm sorry, did you say something? Just kidding. (laughs) Well played. (laughs) Just kidding. Yeah, I think there's a couple of things to think about. Look, we all have so much coming at us at any given time that we really do have to slow down, take a breath, right? But there are three things that I would say to, say, a person I was coaching. One is remain concise. Have three critical points to your message and stick to it. Mm -hmm. The second would be be interesting. So tell authentic stories. And maybe the most important one is actually be interested. So listen to others and ask great questions. Great advice. And I love the the conciseness of that, uh, particularly the be interesting one. For newer executives, do you ever see a connection between imposter syndrome and their ability to command an audience? Such an interesting conversation that we're starting to have around imposter syndrome. We see this a lot when it comes to women and minorities in particular, right? And the whole idea of imposter syndrome is that we don't feel like we deserve either our achievements or the accolades that we're getting from others. And when you really think about what that means, it means that on some level, we're lacking in confidence. There's a confidence issue, right? So to me, it's this confidence issue that begins to directly link to that ability to show up with any authenticity or even to show up with gravitas, sort of that feeling of, I can show up here confidently and say something to you that you will find interesting. So I think that's how the imposter syndrome piece links to this communicating with an audience piece. A hundred percent. So when leaders are deficient in their ability to influence, where do they often get it wrong in addition to confidence? Yeah, you know, I think when you think back to the first few times that you actually had to lead people, almost all of us make this mistake that we think that those people are going to do something because either our plan is so awesome and so good, or they just report into us so they have to. Right. Right. right? So that's early leadership kinds of things. What's a shame is when I work with more senior people who've been at it a long time. So I have a person, for example, right now that I'm coaching who is a senior, a chief revenue officer, a senior salesperson in an organization. He just changed an entire team's structure. He changed the entire comp plan for that team. And he's wondering why he's not getting any results. And it's because he did it to the team. Mm. So you think a lot of times, you know, where we are deficient in our influence is not to do the work along the way of having the conversation with people from the very beginning. Look, you may be the smartest person in the room. You may know exactly what you need to get done. If you don't communicate that with people as you go along and get their ideas and help them understand why it's important to do, when you introduce that plan after it's all kind of summed up in period at the end of the sentence, they're not going to go with you unless you've included them along the way, right? So there's work to be done in that. 100%. Thank you. 
The theme of today's episode is to get your audience to listen. What are some simple ways that business leaders can begin to improve upon this competency? Well, I mean, we've been talking about this theme of confidence, right? So check your own sense of confidence. You have to show up believing that you actually have something to say. I think that's number one. Number two, make sure to always find a group of advisors and check your assumptions. Going into something, make sure you have others who are sharing their thoughts practically and helpfully a diverse group of advisors and others who are coming in to give you perspective so that you're not just hearing an echo chamber of your own thoughts. Remember that listening can be just as important as talking. You know this. This is why you're a podcast leader, right? (laughs) And then also make sure, like we said, to bring other people with you on the journey to create that experience together. It's sort of this experiential learning piece. Yes, thank you. What are some of the nuances between holding attention while interacting one-on-one versus when we're speaking to an audience? Yeah, I think this is so important. You know, I watch leaders get it wrong in both of those spaces, but for totally different reasons. Do tell. In the one-on-one in particular, if you think about things like performance feedback or even development conversations, in truth, people leaders are not really good at those things because they're afraid of them. They're afraid to have this open, transparent dialogue where you may actually have to tell somebody what you need them to do differently. And the way you overcome that, the way that you really get attention is to look at them deeply into their eyes, right? Really understand their perspective. Ask more questions than you're telling. That's the one-on-one piece. If you believe, you know, if you work for me and you believe that I care about you, I care about what you want, and I'm just trying to help you get better, then I think that's going to hold your attention. So that's the one-on-one. In the group setting, look, I'm nervous to be on this podcast. I think there are probably people who are nervous when they get up in front of, you know, big groups. And in terms of getting up in front of small groups, that I think takes a little bit more, again, back to that confidence. But also, did you think through who was in the room? What did they need to hear from you? How were they going to interact with you? And by the way, I think there always should be some kind of feedback component. Either you collect questions up front, you do it in the room, but there it needs to be a two-way dialogue. If it's one way, to me, it's just noise. Well said. What advice do you give to those who are looking to hone and own their unique voice? Yep. So again, start with the top two or two or three things you want to get across, no more than three. Think of a quick personal story or reflection that you can use to open that's related to your message. Always have a feedback loop, someone in the audience who can tell you the truth, right? And then when you get that feedback, go back, redraft, start again. It's got to continuously be a learning process for you. Mm -hmm. And is there anything that you wanted to touch on that we haven't said already as it relates to leadership and engaging one's audience? Yeah, I think it's important to watch people you already think are great at this. So I think if you pick people who you admire and respect and like to listen to, then watch them multiple times because you'll begin to see a pattern in the things that they do. And I think that's important. You can really learn if you take time to listen, reflect, understand how they're coming across. One of my favorite examples is I do a ton of interviewing in my work back to this asking good questions and listening, right? One of my favorite interviewers of all time is Oprah. I've been watching her for 20 years. Like Oprah asks the world's best questions. Yes. And somehow she also gets us to relate personally 
and openly and authentically in the way that she states things. And so I've just been watching her for years because I think that she helps me in all of the things that I would be doing too, right? Like I think watching her helps me to get better at the interviewing that I have to do. So I would just encourage people, think of who you like and then go learn from them. Absolutely. There's so much to be said for that emulation and love her ability to both get that heart connection through a messaging as well and the emotional, uh, intelligent aspects of it in addition to just the real questions. Right. Yeah, fascinating. This is a question we ask of all of our guests on the show. Do you think great business communication is more of an art or science and why? Yeah, I know. I, I listened to you ask this question and I think I'm going to wuss out and be the same as most people and say it's both. The truth of the matter is there is science behind great communication. And do yourself a favor and just go pick up a couple of business book books on how to be a great communicator. You know, Zig Ziglar from back in the day. I mean, yes. these things have been around a long time, right? And you can learn the framework of communication, but what really brings it to life, that's the art. That's the piece that's authentically you. I would say, think about yourself as an artist. What color do you bring? What's the story that you tell? Why would people want to listen to you? Why do you count, right? Yeah. And make sure you incorporate that into your message. Love that answer. Final question here. What advice would you have for aspiring business leaders who want to improve their communication? So I deal with a lot of senior people, and this is not their favorite answer. But the truth of the matter is we never get done learning, and we should always be practicing. So the fact of the matter is practice and then practice again. And the more you're afraid of it, do it again, because the more you do it, the less fear you'll have, the better off you'll get, more confident, just in general, the better the experience is going to be for you and for the audience. Yes. So that's the first thing. The second thing I tell people is reward yourself. I think a lot of times we forget, we need a pat on the back. We need a reason to do this. Like this is not always fun for everybody. Yep. <laughs> so if you're going to go do this, plan something afterwards that you're like, hey, I got through this. I did this. Maybe go play a you know round of golf or go have a nice dinner or go to the spa, but do something to reward yourself whenever you do this. So that every time you do that practice and it gets a little bit better, you feel better, more confident, and you get to go do something fun. I love that reward answer. I think it's the first time we've heard it on the podcast and it resonates quite a bit. Thank you. <laughs> well, Corinne, on behalf of myself uh, and our listeners, I just want to say thank you so much for joining us today. I really love the answers you had provided and thank you for your thoughtful preparation and feedback. Love it. Thanks so much for having me. Cheers. Thank you. If we don't understand who we're talking to, how can we be sure we're communicating what they want to hear? We can't assume that our audience is just naturally going to listen. We have to incentivize them to listen by sharing things which are compelling. Thus, one way we can improve our speaking is to become better listeners ourselves. Julian shares fascinating findings on how sound affects us in four ways. Physiologically, by changing our heart rate, breathing, brain waves, and more. Emotionally, think of how music makes you feel certain ways. Cognitively, when there's so many sounds that you just can't hear yourself think. And behaviorally, like when someone moves away from an unpleasant sound. I found it eye-opening to think about Julian's thoughts on how to leverage sounds in our businesses and presentations. Corinne believes in the power of sharing three main points in order to keep people listening. In that spirit, she gives three suggestions for how to get your audience to listen. Number one, remain concise by sticking to your three critical points. Number two, be interesting by telling authentic stories. And number three, most importantly, be interested. Listen to others and ask great questions. On behalf of our amazing sponsor, Presentium, and executive producer, Rajat Mishra, 
Thank you for listening to this episode of Think Deeply, Speak Simply. I'm your host, Jay Rook. And if you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the podcast and we'd love it if you would rate and review the show. Until next time, think deeply and speak simply. Thank you for listening to another episode of Think Deeply, Speak Simply. To learn more about the art and science of communicating ideas, visit our thought leadership library at presentium.com.